OmegaMetroid.com is here. We're so proud to finally share our website with you, giving Metroid fans a dedicated one-stop shop for the latest news, fan creations, walkthroughs, maps, and of course, the latest episodes of the Omega Metroid Podcast. That's not all. If you'd rather listen on YouTube, you can check out episodes there. And if you really want to take your Omega Metroid experience to the next level, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll get access to special Discord roles, a platform on the website to promote your projects, exclusive bonus shows, and so much more. Memberships start as low as $1 a month. OmegaMetroid.com is the source of all this great content. So whether you're a new Metroid fan or a series veteran, OmegaMetroid.com is the place for you. Check out OmegaMetroid.com today. Andy Spateri, joined by Gooey Fame. Goo, how are you? This is Hello. this virtual theater or what? What's going on? Yeah, I'm so confused. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been on this show, so I'm. I don't stoked. think you have either. Yeah, um, you you did show up for our uh, our live stream of Super yes. Metroid. You were in the commentary booth with me, and that, that was, was fun. so fun. That was a good night. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, I don't think that we've ever been on the Omega Metroid podcast together, which is funny because we've been podcasting together for like four years. I know. This is, <laughs> I was just thinking today, <laughs> this is even better because on our feed, on Virtual Theater, we have a podcast up about Castlevania Symphony of the Night, but you're not yes. there. No. So we're crossing all kinds of wires right now. This is like, uh, it's like one of those Avengers Endgame time <laughs> situations. I don't even know what you'd call those, time loops. Um, yeah, it's fine. So, we uh, we are here today to honor 25 years of one of the greatest games of all time, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Before we get going, though, um, for anybody that doesn't know, so I have uh, three podcasts, and one of them <laughs> is obviously this one. The other one is the Zelda podcast, but the third one... And dare I say, at times, the greatest one in a lot of ways... Oh, oh yeah. ...is Virtual Theater, the <laughs> podcast about video game movies and the stories that shape them. And we're on, um, we're on like, year three and a bit of our podcast now, Goo? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were just talking before we went on. We're not, like, weekly, so I think we've probably only done, like, 60-something main episodes... Uh, but Main then we've episodes. got all the Patreon content that we've done too. Yeah, there's there's a lot. So we've covered 
Um, ton of video game movies, including Super Mario Brothers, which is like an amazing movie. A classic. We've, we've done um, the entire Zelda cartoon, which was awesome. And we're currently in the midst of Captain N and the Game Master, which has a very Metroid-esque kind of slant to it, by the way. Mother Brain is like the main bad guy. And uh, Simon Belmont is also one of the main characters. So all kinds of otherworldly crossover <laughs> event going the first on there. Metroidvania. Yeah, really, it really is. Um, so yeah, go and check that out. That's available wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good to finally get you on this show. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, you know, I've only dipped my toes a little bit into the Metroid world, but it's I'm going to be doing more of it as time goes on, for sure. Well, uh, like we said, this episode is actually all about Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and we are going to... This is basically just going to be an homage to that game, because I really don't have, like, a lot of negative things to say about it. In fact, I, I don't think I really have anything negative to say about Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It's, like, in the in very much the same way that Super Metroid is something that I consider, like, a, almost a perfect game, I think that Symphony of the Night is, like, right mm. there with it as, like, a perfect video game. Yeah, I agree. I think it's such a a pure gaming experience. I've I and I don't have any nostalgia for it. I only played it last year for the first time, but there's certainly been a lot of games inspired by uh Super Metroid and Castlevania that have innovated other things and kind of, you know, made little improvements here and there. Um but I don't know, going back and playing this, it's to me it's still awesome. It's still so it just pure is the best way I'd describe it. I I love this game. I think it's one of the best games ever made. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think a lot of people would agree. Like, I, I think it's universally held as one of the greatest games ever made. Um, you know, all of the scores back then were super high. All of the scores I think today are still incredibly super high. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I, I think even though it was like a very, this was like a huge critical success when it came out. But I do think that in some ways this game is underrated in a sense because it came out around the same time as like Final Fantasy 7 and Mario 64 and like 3D was the new big thing back then. And like this was a game that was just like, no, I'm, I'm going to be the best version of a 2D game that I can possibly mm-hmm. be. And I think that in and of itself is like kind of kind of daring almost. Um, but yeah, it's a... It, it's it's such a good game. It's it's regarded as a masterpiece, and yet I still think that it's somewhat underrated. To be honest, I I would totally agree because I remember that era. I never had a PlayStation, and I I think back though to all the games that my cousin had on PlayStation and like games I would kind of covet that I really wanted to play, and it was Final Fantasy, Metal Gear Solid, you know. These games I saw, I'm like, whoa, yo, this is crazy. And it was because I partially because of that whole like the new trend of 3D gaming. And I didn't I just didn't even know this game existed. And I had Castlevania, you know, so I just didn't know about it when I was a kid. And it wasn't until like much later that I even knew this game existed. Uh, But of course, it was because of a ton of praise. So, you know, I went into playing it as like, oh, there's a there is a lot of hype from this. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, it, it lived up to all my expectations too. Um, it's just a 
And I don't know. Like, I, I really do think it's underrated. And I don't know if it's that way because, like, people, I think, associated Castlevania with, like, the, the traditional, like, 2D kind of side-scroller that the first couple ones have been. If it maybe doesn't get its its day because, like, Super Metroid came before it. Uh, I don't know. But uh, we are, yeah, we're definitely here to honor this game. Came out 25 years ago. Almost to the day. So, by the time wow. you're listening to this, it'll be the 29th. It came out March 27th, 1997. That's wild. Wow. Okay. So today, as of recording this, that's pretty cool. That that makes me feel like super old. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's like so long ago. That's wow. I remember playing uh, Diddy Kong Racing back in '97 on my N64. <laughs> yeah, I was doing. Yeah, I was in the N64 camp at the time for sure. So, and, and I'm with you. I didn't have a PlayStation. I didn't get a PlayStation until uh, the PS2 was my first one. Mm-hmm. And and I want to say, I want to say that uh, I picked up the original PSX version of this game and I played it. But I, I also want to say that it was released um, in like kind of a collection on the PlayStation 2 as well. I could be wrong about that. But I know that like there was a bunch of Final Fantasy games that were like released in collection form. And I think oh, that okay. maybe Castlevania was too, but either way, um, I played it for the first time on the PS2. Um, obviously, this was a long time after I had played uh, Super Metroid, and the similarities mm-hmm. are, of course, quite obvious and quite apparent in the way that this game works. But um, one thing, and we'll kind of run through all the the things about this game, but I think that like one thing that maybe we we don't appreciate enough is like. You know, we talk about Metroidvania games all the time, and um, obviously Super Metroid laid out the groundwork in terms of Mm -hmm. maybe how the progression, how the maps, and like how a lot of the fundamentals work. But I don't know if we talk about the the Vania part of the equation enough, because like Castlevania definitely takes inspiration from Super Metroid, but it also fuses it with like such a a unique like like RPG kind of twist where like um Castlevania will reward you for for like defeating enemies. You can level up, you can improve your stats. You have different equipment that improves your stats, different weapons, um, which is actually something that this game, I, I think, pioneered. Uh, this is one of the first games that you could just equip something other than the whip. Um, and, and in some ways, at least to me, uh, in some ways, like getting the items in this game is a little bit more rewarding in that sense because like, in a Metroid game, like I'll use Super Metroid for example, like once you kind of have like 200 missiles, you don't really need 250. Like mm. those last couple ones you're just getting just to complete the game, get like 100% the game. Whereas like in Castlevania, you constantly get like a better weapon or like a higher stat weapon or, or like a higher stat armor or something like that. And it makes kind of like incentivizing exploration a little bit more rewarding for me because no matter what, you're getting something that is an upgrade to what you already have versus just like more of what you already have and don't really mm, I need. see. Yeah. I think of, well, I think, yeah, there's like pros and cons or like, you know, some things, one type of game can do better in that sense. When I think of like how super Metroid works, it makes me think more of like Zelda where it's like, it's sort of changing up your, your gameplay arsenal, you know, powering you up a little bit more. It's you're not having to think about stats as much, you know, and then mm-hmm. in this it's more like you said, an RPG. And yeah, I could see how like one or the other could be more appealing to someone for sure. 
I, I like I like both. I think there's positives to both. Yeah, I, I like both as well. And, and in fact, um, I think that when I played Symphony of the Night, because other than Super Metroid and maybe Metroid Fusion, I think I might have played Metroid Fusion before I played Symphony of the Night. But like that, that was really kind of it for my Metroidvania experience. And when I, when I played Symphony of the Night, I was like, this game is awesome. And like I like mm-hmm. fell in love with Metroidvanias, not just like Metroid games, but like that genre of game and like like now that genre is like one of my favorite types of games to play like you know you've got the obvious like the the Ori's and the Hollow Knights and stuff like that but like even like the uh just like I just love that style of gameplay and like the progression and stuff like that like the whole world feeling like a puzzle and I and I feel like I don't know if I would have necessarily found out my love for that if I had not have played Symphony of the Night okay that that's what really pushed you for it I think so, because, like, I knew I really liked Metroid games. Like, that was yeah. apparent, but, you know, like, uh, My... like our, our co-host Dak, he likes Metroid games, but he doesn't really love Metroidvania games. Like, okay. He, which I feel like is fair, but, like, I really love Metroidvania games, and I love the, like, kind of different approach that Castlevania takes, because it's, like I said, it's kind of like Metroid, but it's also, like, it's almost like you have, like, the, the RPG elements and stat elements, which I, I do really like. For me, it was what scratched the itch was that uh, I came from it just loving The Legend of Zelda. And, you know, I love kind of exploring and unraveling the worlds and unlocking the dungeons. And all these games are like, what if that was the whole world? In fact, I yeah. think that was like one of their big inspirations for this game was A Link to the Past. And how you kind of, you know, once you get this item, this part of the world is opens up a little bit. And um, so, yeah, it really... Like, I'm surprised I didn't get into this style of game earlier, but I totally love it. And, and I think that, like, Symphony of the Night took a lot of what really worked with Super Metroid and built upon that, especially in regards to, like, the map. Like, I like playing this mm. game, like, you can easily see, like, your item percentage completion on the map. You can easily switch that between cool. areas. You can easily see, like, there's different color tiles and stuff like that. So, like, a red spot is a save state and whatever, like... It took, like, a lot of, like, little small directions, but, like, really improved on some stuff that that Super Metroid had, uh, you know, had, had kind of laid out. Um, so I, I feel like this game is, like, as much responsible for, you know, the Metroidvania genre being what it is today as Super Metroid is, which I guess is fair, because it's... Yeah. If it was just Super Metroid, it would just be called the Metroid genre, but uh, <laughs> I think it definitely earns its Vania placement, for sure. Right. Yeah, it, like, iterates on things from that, you know. And, and one I think one thing it does really well, too, is just, like, takes... Adv- even though it isn't, like, this big 3D game, in, like, most element- elements of the game, they are taking, like, full advantage of, like, the new hardware that it's on. So it is cool because it does feel like... It doesn't feel like, oh, we're just going to stick to this old thing it feels like we're we're making something new it's just that same style you know they're like yeah they're pushing the pushing the limits on that style for sure one thing that i really love about symphony of the night because i i feel like it might have been a little bit jarring to play this game if you were a fan of like the the og castlevanias and and actually you you are a fan of like the original castlevania games right yeah yeah i think they're pretty fun they're pretty tough but yeah yeah, i like them 
so I, I always kind of wondered if, like, someone that really liked that, you know, the first style of Castlevania games, because I, I don't really, like, I think they're okay, but they're, I certainly like the Castlevania, like, Metroidvania style better. But mm-hmm. I, I love the way that this game kind of, like, bridges that a little bit at the beginning, where, like, you have the the Richter fight, and you're fighting Dracula, and it also kind of catches you up about where the plot is and, like, what's going on. But yeah, it, yeah. it was, I loved it. It was, like, kind of like a... I don't know, like a symbolic transition from like that style to like the new style. <laughs> like literally I, I just, in like, the game, yeah. Yeah, I I thought that was so cool. I still think it's so cool. Like I almost forget that you start off this game fighting Dracula as a Belmont, and like mm-hmm. I just think that's like so cool. I love it. Yeah, I do love that, and that is an interesting thing to think about. I think in doing research about this game, I had found like forum posts and stuff like that. I think that's even like where the term metroidvania comes from is from the fans of the old games trying to like like distinguish the style of castlevania that is in more of this ilk compared to the i think i saw classic vanias so you have your classic vania and then your metroidvanias and then from there people inspired by that made like you know the genre beyond that um but yeah, the thing I mainly saw was people saying like, well, Symphony of Night is so much easier. And I, I could see why, because it's less, like, honestly, going back and playing those old ones, they're really tough, especially because if you're stuck on something, there's not much you can do about it other than, like, hopefully get better. Whereas this, like, it, what's kind of nice is like, oh, this boss is really tough. Um, I can, you know, bang my head against it, and I certainly had. But there's a lot of times where you're like, I'll just go explore somewhere else and level up some more and come back with some items. And there's certain bosses I beat just by, like, throwing a bunch of items at it. And I'm like, all right, you're dead. Great. <laughs> I didn't have to do much. I, I think, like, the true challenge of uh, of this game, comparatively speaking, because I think you're right. Like, those... And that's that's kind of why I don't like the the classic vania. What a great name. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's why I don't like them as much is cause they're just kind of more straightforward. Like you either have to perform or like, that's pretty much it. Like you're stuck. Whereas with this one, like I think that some of the bosses can be difficult and there are some grueling areas, which we'll talk about later, but like, you know, in true super Metroid fashion, the true difficulty is finding out where to go and how to apply the skills that you have and where to apply them. Um, and, and like, I just, I really love that more so than like, you know, fighting a monster that's impossible. Cause like, I feel like I've accomplished something or I've figured something out. If I, if I know to use like an ability here that can get me through like a mm-hmm. gate or something by turning into mist or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the, like for me, I really love the fact that Castlevania embraced this new direction. Cause it, it really gave the series legs. I feel like. Yeah, and it gives you, it opens up different types of strategies, you know, like different weapons and different things you can try out. So I do like, I mean, I like really difficult bosses that I like feel, I have to feel like I'm improving, but I do like the flexibility, you know what I mean? Where Mm -hmm. you can, okay, now I got this power, like, oh, this will help me out a lot more, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I want to, I want to stick with the gameplay here, but we're, we'll go through, we'll talk about like the gameplay, the art style, the story areas, I, all that good stuff. But, um, one thing that I, I don't, again, I don't think that this gets talked about enough is actually let's, let's start here. So first of all, I think that this game has like one of the ultimate great 
moments in video games, especially when you consider, like, it's 25 years old. But, like, so you go to the end of the game, you beat the game, and, you you know, you think you're done. And then you find out, it's like, actually, I can equip this item and, you know, beat this, this dark thing that's, you know, hovering over Richter. And then when I thought that I had completed the game, the game is only <laughs> literally halfway done. And it completely flips the map. It would be like getting to Mother Brain and Super Metroid, beating Mother Brain, and the entire Zebus map is flipped upside down, yeah. and you start at 0% again. I thought that this was, like, the most wild thing ever. Like, when I when I played this game and found out that there was, like, this entire rest of the game waiting to be yeah. played, I don't the, know if that gets talked about enough. It's, it is pretty awesome. It's one thing I knew about going into the game, but I didn't know... I didn't know there was like a good ending versus bad ending because when I first went to Richter, it was what I was just talking about where he just totally stomped me right away. And I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to fight him yet. And then by the time I had powered up, I found like the glasses and the stuff, you know, you get to unlock the the upside down ending. Yeah. Um, but I still do think that's really cool. And one, one another thing I love about it is it's just like the pacing of the game is really interesting where... It's like, you know, you're picking away at the world, like, lock and key, like, okay, I can open up this area, this area. When you get to that flipped castle, it's, what's cool about it is, like, it's now all accessible to you, and it's just, like, no holds bar, go wherever you want, like, yes. full open exploration, and it's just, like, like, it's just go find these five bosses and kill them. And, and like, you can find other stuff there, too, like, other weapons and stuff, but... I love that where it's like okay you've mastered the game you beat the game essentially not really but now you have to go in this weird upside down effed up <laughs> castle uh and just fight a bunch of hard bosses like that's really cool i i love like that section of the game for everything that you just said but like i it, it's again it's like it reminded me actually of playing ocarina of time for the first time in 1998 so i played that game like when it came out and when I got, like, the three, uh, like, jewels at the beginning of the game, went to the Temple of Time, I was like, all right, the game is is over. This is a fantastic game. This is awesome. I'm going to fight Ganondorf now. And then it was like, no, actually, like, you're you're an adult, and you got to do, like, all these other dungeons. And then you got to go fight Ganondorf. That was the same kind of vibe that I got when this castle flipped upside down. And then, like, yeah, like, the freedom, I, I love that it's just, like, you know, there comes a point in Metroid where, like, you acquire all of the power-ups and you you kind of are in like god mode and like then you can go and sweep the board and get all the expansions and stuff like that and like everything is open to you and like that's like the the latter half of the entire game in symphony of the night it's so cool mm -hmm. it's like part of it feels like you're playing it in like a new game plus type thing except yeah things, things are way different when it's upside down there's different enemies and bosses but it does feel like you're almost now like speed running this castle you know because you can you can uh, you have like all the flying abilities and stuff like that, so it's never you're never like held back at all, which is actually like crazy too, by the way, because the level design totally works flipped upside down, yeah, which is yeah. like that is so bonkers to think about that they they made a game this good and like this detailed that you can play it right side up or upside down and it's still like an awesome platformer. Yeah, there's some parts where it's like, oh, this makes a lot more sense upside down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but speaking of New Game Plus, something else I don't think gets talked about either enough is, like, you can play as Richter 
in this game too. And, and if you, I think you just have to set your save file name to Richter. And like, oh, okay. it's it's the same that. game, but like it's Richter plays so differently that it's almost like, in a lot of ways, it feels like a totally different game. Which again is something I'm just like. This is, like, unreal. This game, like, keeps on giving and giving and giving. Like, you think you beat it once, and nope, you have to flip the castle. You think you beat it twice, like, nope, now you can play as Richter. Mm. Um, in the Sega Saturn version, you can play as Maria as well, which is also crazy. I've never played as Maria, but I oh, uh, really? maybe I should try. I, I played as her in Rondo of Blood. Uh, which yeah, is fun, I, I played but... as her in Rondo, but I've never, like, done Symphony of the Night as Maria. It is cool, and it, it exemplifies what you mean what you mean about like the handoff of the series. Because I think they made a conscious choice. Like, if we make it uh, Al- Alucard, like the main character, it opens up all these new types of abilities and magic. Whereas, like uh, Richter is more of your classic Simon yeah. Trevor Belmont, you know, dude with a whip stomping around. But now you yeah. can like fly and float and do magic and all this stuff, and it's like that's that's really creative and it just creates such a twist on like the world and the lore too like it it that's what i think about this game is like almost everything serves the game well in like 10 different ways you know totally uh, yeah let's keep with that actually let's talk about the story um which by the way if you're interested in uh hearing about castlevania's story in depth check out virtual theater oh, we yeah. covered Man, we covered all four seasons of that show, which was just an absolutely amazing, uh, you know, adaptation of Castlevania. And um, a lot of that show, if you've watched that Castlevania Netflix uh, anime, basically the the premise for the story is taken from Symphony of the Night. And I totally, I totally agree with what you just said. We're like, by by choosing to go with Alucard and not a Belmont, that kind of also felt a little bit symbolic to me of like. We're embracing a new direction. We're embracing a new, like, gimmick for this game. Because mm. um, and, and I really like it's so he's so versatile, which which I really love in this game. But uh, I think like you know I I think that the story I I would say it's like a minimal story, but one oh, that 100%. works. I feel like really really well. That's what's cool about the series is like most games I've played. It's like kind of a different twist on like the same kind of story like dracula's back you got to go through his castle but they kind of like make it unique in its own way and i think this one really stands out uh because of like that sort of twist on it and uh yeah i love how simplistic it really is you know you just have a couple moments where you run into maria you kind of get the flashback uh with his mother and type you know stuff like that uh they try to they try to like humanized dracula a bit i i had read that they were inspired by the coppola movie uh bram stoker's dracula and they where he you know kind of had more of a sad sympathetic backstory and that really even though it's very simplistic and people kind of make fun of the whole voice acting and stuff like that i think it's really affecting and i think um the like a lot of the story is just exploring this weird crazy dracula castle like that's to me that's like what makes more of a good story anyway is like just experiencing that world and everything. I agree. It's very, this is an area where I feel like symphony of the night really looked at super Metroid and was like, okay, super Metroid also has a very minimalist story, but this world tells such like an engaging tale that like, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like they, they definitely were like, okay, this works. We're going to do it in our way as well. 
because like i feel like the like like you said i think that the like the little interactions that you get here and there are really cool i think it's actually really cool with because of alucard's position when you're talking to death and he's trying to convince you to like yeah like join me buddy like get on my team so i really liked that as well um but yeah just the environmental storytelling in here I, i feel like is a very like I feel like that's an important facet of any really great Metroidvania and Symphony of the Night does it, you know, better or as good as any other game out there with that. Um, but yeah, I think like this is, this is a less is more story. Um, but by doing that, I feel like it really, it really gave Castlevania legs. Like, cause mm-hmm. before Castlevania was all about the Belmonts and their quest to eradicate Dracula and like Symphony of the Night was just like kind of a, a little twist on that, but it like, it just had such great world building, I feel like, with the character of Alucard and, like, father versus son. That's a compelling story. And, uh, you know, you did have the Belmonts and classic elements there and stuff like that. So, yeah. I, this game, like, really did a good job building that. And it kind of, like, it kind of built to, like, one of my favorite Castlevania games that I would say I like almost as much as this game is, like, Aria of Sorrow, which was also not mm. with the Belmont. And it also did something where, like, that character, because he's not a Belmont, can have, like, really unique, like, gameplay hooks that uh, that influence and, and inform the world around him. Yeah, those are very cool. Like, yeah, they just find ways to, like, tweak the formula a little bit, but still have, like, that sort of little bit of ele- element of the all the previous games in there, which this game does still really well. Like, you've got just all these, you know enemies and locations like there's parts where you're playing the game and me as like someone who played the first few games when i was a kid on nes like oh like i've been here before you know like that's Mm. really cool i i fought this guy before um yeah just really it's really clever in that way um so i want to talk about the art style of this game because this art style is like off the charts it is so awesome uh first like just the the illustrations like the gothic depiction of alucard like he like his his character art looks so awesome and so does dracula so does maria like the whole like the characters in this game this art style is so so good yes the art the concept art was done by Ayami Kojima. I still have my notes from when we covered it. Uh, and oh, yeah. you get prepared. All right. Cool. Yeah. She like defined the tone of the series going forward. Right. Cause yeah. um, one thing I love about the old ones is you do have, it's, it's very, I feel like it's a little bit more. It's, it does have like cool Gothic horror elements the whole time. It's pretty spooky, but it does. It is like a little bit Halloweeny. You know what I mean? It's like you fight a Medusa, a Frankenstein, uh, stuff like that and this has that they bring back all that old stuff but it goes even more so into this really like messed up demonic uh, almost cosmic horror sometimes and they pull in all these i was like looking up all these different creatures and enemies in the game and almost all of them are based on some type of like different cultural fol- folklore you know there's like C- celtic beasts and there's stuff from different religions, which was something the anime did well, too, is they had, like, incorporated different re- religious figures and stuff. And so, yeah, it just, like, made the series even more, like, edgy in a very, like, <clears throat> in a very, like, late 90s way, you know? I, I agree. I think that <clears throat> Kojima's stuff was, like, 
uh, just like such it helped elevate like the characters and the world and the atmosphere so much i actually i remember when they went with like a more generic anime looking uh style for like the for the dawn of sorrow games and being so mm. disappointed in that like because they uh, they just looked like they looked like hell like compared to like the the awesome artistic gothic versions that that kojima was drawing i actually i i really even love like the red-haired Simon one that she did. I, I kind of oh, dig that red-haired yeah. Simon. Yeah, that's a really cool one. And that it translates also into the actual art in the game is so awesome. Uh that it's another way that they totally took advantage, you know, of this new technology that they could do in the PlayStation where you had you had people who've been doing that that classic sprite work that you get like in Super Metroid, you know. I think that's some of the best looking video game stuff to me is like that super nintendo 16-bit pixel art is like gorgeous but then you yeah. have they're using all these new 3d elements mixed in mixed in it's not like exclusively a 3d game and it really helps certain things pop like certain backgrounds or like certain enemies attacks and stuff like that where and it's like it, it really creates like this heightened sense of like this is crazy. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. And and even some of those like cutscenes with the castle too that are purely 3D are like this is nuts. Like even to this day, it, it certainly looks like something that came out in 1997. But I still get like uh, I feel like it looks timeless. Like, like just yeah. <laughs> timeless is the word. That's where I was going next. My my oh, <laughs> initial my initial thought like ever. No no you're good. My initial thought, like when I when I fired this game up last week, I was like, "God damn, Alucard sprite looks so good." Yeah, like it's just it's such a cool looking sprite. His cloak, the hair, the like, animation so too, on like the movement of all the enemies, you know. And then like yeah, the way when... his sword comes out, oh. And then just when yeah, like when like a three D book pops out of the wall, you know, yes. it's like oh, <laughs> I love yeah, there... that. There are like really awesome examples of what you're talking about where like it's this classic great looking sprite work game like the timeless aesthetic but then like you have like the giant skull that will pop out and he's like he looks like 3D and he's got like this blue outline and blue hue around him or like when you use some of like Richter's weapons and like you get the giant cross that's spinning in circles like it it really does it's almost like a prototype version of like what we see now with like the 2D HD style that's becoming popular. Yes. Yes, it feels it, like, like it looks awesome. It makes me like yearn for like or like regretful that we didn't get more of that because I feel like we then kind of like didn't get that type of game for a while and then we jumped to like stuff more in the style of like New Super Mario Brothers or like even Metroid Dread where it's like it's just like 3D, you know, it like th that type of stuff doesn't pop to me as much. Like y you can make it look really good, but I feel like it sometimes doesn't look as inspired. And then like this new sort of 2D HD thing does look like, oh, this is kind of like a creative new direction for it. And I kind of wish we got some like more in the early 2000s, like what could have been done? Like what could we have done with this technology to make 2D games? I think for me, I see Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and I and every time I'm just like, we could have got Metroid on the N64, and it could have oh, been 2D, totally. and it would have been awesome. Now I don't I don't think that Nintendo would have done a sprite Metroid for N64. I think it would have kind of been like 
you you would have had like the 3D model that shows up in like Smash Bros. Basically, and it I don't think it would have looked maybe as crisp as Symphony of the Night. That's just my gut instinct telling me that they would have went for like the 3D approach. But uh-huh. man, like if they imagine what they could have done on the it N64. could have worked for sure. It could have worked, but yeah, this game like is just so absolutely gorgeous. There's so many like there's so many different examples of like what you laid out and let's and just like like really awesome looking sprite work in general like yes. some of the areas in the background like we'll talk about the areas in a little bit here but like um i mean like you go to the underground caverns and it's like th- there's waterfalls and like they're kind of appearing like it- it's like again they're almost like 3d like they're appearing before alucard it just looks it's so yeah they did it's a so lot awesome. with like the layering like 3d layering the sprites yeah themselves. yeah that's the word yeah so, yeah so we're like you don't even like you don't even really think about it at the time or like if you're not really paying attention you can't really tell that it is like 3d it's like yeah it's like master craftsmanship i think like the of a height of this style of artwork in video games i think it it just i mean it looks timeless that's the word i i keep coming back to um so one important thing i feel like for any metroidvania game is a sense of good pacing and uh, that's that's kind of something that we stole from Zelda Dungeon from you guys doing definitive ranking, but I feel like mm. that's especially true of, of Metroidvania games. Where like, you there's a really fine balance between like getting like not knowing where to go and being challenged by that, and then being frustrated by that. And to me, I feel like Symphony of the Night almost always is just like very challenging in that regard where like it's i never felt like i'm stuck or like i'm frustrated because i don't know where to go or like you know sometimes when you're playing um uh, like a metroidvania game and you're just like you open up your map and you're like okay well i haven't went here i haven't went here and like my Mm -hmm. i stopped walking here i feel like by and large maybe with some exceptions but symphony of the night is usually really good at like okay, I just got this power up. I remember two or three spots where I can progress further. And like, for me, and maybe it's because I'm familiar with it, but I never felt like I had to like scroll my map and like be like, all right, I'm going to try this area up here and see if I can progress any further. I felt like yeah. this game was, again, like really good at kind of keeping you moving and keeping you going. And then, like we said earlier, when you get to the second half, it's just like, you know, it's like, see you later, pal. Fall. Go crazy. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the way it unfolds, like when it starts, you can run like the length of the castle from like west to east essentially and then there's a couple offshoots you can go and so that does leave you with like in a good way of like okay let's check my map where can i go back to because you there's not like dead ends a lot you know you eventually hit a dead end but it's pretty good i think just because of how the map is where like parts will be cut off if you don't reach the top of a room so like you get like oh i can double jump now so like it's easy to see, like, oh, I need to go here. You know, once you can fly, there's even more spots. Like, oh, I never got to the top of this room. So mm-hmm. it, it it's like you do get those items, and you're like, ooh, here we go. You know, there's just a couple... There's a couple ones where if you're not... that This is something that, like, later games like Hollow Knight or Metroid Dread have where you can, like, mark on the map. There's some certain ones where I sort of forgot, like the uh, spike breaker and uh, a big one was like the mist gates. I kind of forgot where some of those were. And I was like, Oh, I should have like wrote that down, you know, but I, I just like looked those up. But in like a modern game, there would maybe be like, Oh, I can mark here, like where the mist gate is. Cause when you go up, 
it even gives you a little text like, oh, you, you can't come through here. You need like yeah something. So that that's the only thing. But it's it's not a big complaint. Otherwise, it unfolds so well, you know, where it's like, oh, I got this. Now it's, this is open to me, you know. And then another part of it that's key is some things are just gated by like really tough areas or tough bosses where it's like you could go through them. It's just really hard to. Um, and But you don't ever have to, you know, you can always, sometimes you can go around, sometimes you can just go a totally different way. Like I was a pro, like ending up in areas on accident, like from the other side. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> I think like, I distinctly remember, I don't know if it was Symphony of the Night, but I, I know that I've played um, like Castlevania games before. And like, you get to like the Colosseum or something and it's like, what the hell am I doing here? Like this, these enemies are insane. Like oh, I, I do not belong here. Just some and I, and I, where I love that. Bam, 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 yeah. bam. Oh. <laughs> and like you just these, you walk in and like, you just hear the music and it's threatening and you see the first enemy and you're like, Nope. Like I've, I've yep. done that more times than I could count to Castlevania. And like, I just, I can I, I love it. Like, it's just like, I do not belong here, but do I dare press forward? I don't know. Yeah, I've I had that feeling so many areas, for sure. Uh, which is a uniquely Metroidvania experience, I feel like. Because, you, you know, you can't you can't get that in a lot of other uh, different games. But yeah, I think that Symphony of the Night keeps you moving really well. Um, I want to talk about some of the items and abilities here. And I know mm. that we kind of mentioned it earlier. But I want to reiterate again, just like how much I love the fact that... Uh, as much as I like a good whip, and I like using the whip... And you can get whips I love, on this. So that's you cool. can get whips. Yeah. I mean, you can play the entire game with a whip if you want. But I love getting a sword and, like, all the different, like, weapons and stuff that you can get and shields or whatever. To me, that really, like, put put this game series over to the next level was just having that, like, different, different ability to, like, you know, uh, have a little bit more versatile right. offense. And I like that it's, like... You have, like, the whole right-hand, left-hand thing, so... Yeah. Like, when I started, I, I like to always do, like, sword and shield, you know? But eventually, I found, like, there's that sword, that, like, magical one that you can, like, throw out and it comes back to you. That was really cool in the anime, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. And so eventually... Because eventually I got pretty powerful where I'm just, like, killing stuff. I don't really need to block, uh... And so I'm throwing that one with one hand and then the while it's flying around, I'm stabbing with the other and I'm just like, just like blades everywhere. And I love <laughs> this that. This is awesome. Yeah. But I also I'm, I'm like, an, I'm an all offense guy. I never all use shields. Offense. I, all I, offense. There is like when it's early on, I get into like, you know, the dodging and, you know, being defensive. But then you do like if you just explore enough in these games, you get kind of overpowered a little bit, which is fun. Um Another, I did like the whip, because that was another one, when I first started out, it was like, the game felt a little hard, and I was like, ah, I'm having a hard time, and then that whip gives you that extra range, and I, I start killing guys from a little bit further out, and I'm like, ooh, this feels so good. So it is uh, good, see, like, I had different stages of the game, you know? To your point, like, I really love getting up close and, like, having those, like, rapid fire, like, like, sword shots, and it's like super super rapid fire you can get a lot of damage in quickly but you can't linger for too long and that's what i mean when i'm just like i feel like that put it over the top for me because like there are so many new ways to fight now like you can have like the the big two-handed broadswords or whatever oh, that yeah. like 
hit hard, but they take forever. You can have, like, the, the whip if you want. You can have the short, uh, close combat kind of weapons and stuff like that. Uh, actually, no, it's not in this game, but in, in Area of Sorrow, you can just, get like, get a gun. There's a gun in that game oh, that yes. you can find. <laughs> that is so tight. I love that. I mean, that's good stuff right there. But, yeah, like, just the, the different ways that you can, like, uh, combat enemies in this game. I, I thought that it was, like, such a <laughs> such a welcome addition to me. That's not even mentioning, like, the sub-weapons, the spells, the items, the summons. Yeah. Like, there's... I, a lot I love of different those, things. Like, um, yeah, I, I really like, like, I, I think by this point, everybody was kind of used to, like, the holy water, the cross, the axe, classic, and stuff like that. Classic. And, like, those those are those are pretty cool. But, like, dude, like, you're summoning, like, Imp the Familiar. You've got this, like, oh, wolf I love attack going on. Like, the little demon guy was awesome. Oh, like, the, the amount of, of offense that you have in this game is, is unreal. The only part I knock in this, and it doesn't really matter much was like i never got into the spells that were like street fighter combos because that's just not like my brain doesn't work that well but the game totally works where that's just another sort of option though i do think in like aria and like just other games uh bloodstained uh they were they kind of they they do they have tried to like rethink magic in all these different games because i i clearly think that's maybe the weakest element of the game but like i said it's you can you can use the for some people i'm sure it clicks perfectly but not for me but it like you have so many different options that it's like not even that big of a deal you know yeah um and i i do agree i think that like summoning some of these is a little bit hard because you you do have to do those like those street fighter com- like i'm looking at one of these combos it's like it's like 60 button inputs or something like that it's crazy um yeah. and i do agree with you that i think that like the the sorrow series kind of built and arguably perfected that. But I do like, I think that some of them are like really cool and easy enough to kind of get going. Like the wolf charge is one that I always thought was really cool. Or like you can do like the, uh, like you could summon the sword to fight with you, which I always (laughs) just like absolutely loved. And like, I mean, it's kind of, this is low hanging fruit, but like having the, uh, like the Dracula three fireball attack, even though I don't use it very much, I just love having that because it's like Alucard. I, I that was cool and i loved how like uh even some of those things like played into like certain secrets like if you had the demon familiar summoned in this one room he'd find like a secret switch or whatever yeah um, that that's yes. pretty neat that might have even been required and not well hinted at i don't know though um i feel like there are so many small little little like knickknacks like that in this game but also just in like in castlevania in general like it's there are some very specific requirements if you're going to get 200 and whatever it is, 0.6% completion on this map. Oh, yeah. Which I, I kind of I kind of love. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's it's harder to 100% this map than it is a Metroid map. I'll say that. I love that, like, I don't know. I love a little bit of obscurity in video games. Yeah. Especially for extra stuff, you know, like, I, I love that element of, like, you'd have to talk to your friend or like go on game FAQs or whatever, or, or, you know, not now it's so much more easier to like, look it up. You know, if you're stuck in, you know, Metroid or whatever, you can go to Omega Metroid.com and look it up. <laughs> but I do love Hell that. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love like obscuring aspects of the game and it makes it feel so much more mysterious, you know, especially cause 
it works so much for the setting of this castle, Dracula's castle, and how it it has all these like types of settings and like secrets that wouldn't make sense in a normal castle, but it's this weird fantasy vampire video game castle, so you can get totally crazy with it, and it, it really yeah. helps build the world out. I think. I love that you just plugged like un unprovoked, <laughs> nothing like that. You just you knew what to do. You know, it's you rubbing off. Yeah. Happen. yeah. Um, I, one thing that I always love is, uh, kind of speaking of the artwork as well, like we were talking about earlier, there's a, a piece of artwork that depicts like Alucard and like his bat, his wolf and his mist form. I thought that those transformations were like so cool in the game. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like, I guess like turning into a bat seems logical and whatever, but like, I just like. I don't know why I loved it so much, but I thought that turning into mist was like so cool, and like you could eventually get like the uh, like the poison mist or whatever yeah. that can like suffocate people. I just like I thought that the the transformations were like very 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 cool in this game. It takes a much more advantage of like that classic vampire lore, you know? Yeah, that... yeah, maybe that's why. Yeah. Because it is, like, I think it is in, like, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like, you also ter- can turn into beasts and, you know, mist and stuff like that. And, you know, the more uh, classic, or not classic, but the more, like, standard cartoon or whatever interpretation is just, like, yeah, they turn into, like, a little bat, you know. But instead it does have, it, there's something, like, even more terrifying about this vampire that can, like, turn into different beasts and, like, forces of nature, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe that's why. I just, like, I can never explain why I love turning into mist so much. I just thought it was so cool. It uh, is, yeah. yeah. That Maybe that's why. It's just, like, you are this force of nature, this gothic force of nature. Um, all right, oh, one yeah. last thing before we move on from items. I love the Alucard set of items in this game. They're just, like, this incredibly awful set of items that, like, completely is useless Although I think you get some, like, special abilities, although I can't remember what they are. I don't remember this one as well. I remember, like, items called that. Is it, like, just that it's, like, more ornate or something, but not, like... It's it's just, like, a hmm. garbage set. Like, your stats plummet, I want to say. I just... I thought that it was so funny. This was, like... This was the first... I'm sure this wasn't the first game, but it's the first game that I can remember where there was just, like, an intentionally awful set of items in this game. And that, you could just collect if you wanted to. That reminds me of it's it's diff, different, but it, like there's certain there's like uh, the sunglasses. I think I think it is like the the cool sunglasses or like there's I think the boots that make you like uh, conspicuously taller or something like that. And it makes your like <laughs> sprite like just a little bit taller for some reason. Uh, just like these little goofy things like that. That is like a nice little touch. Um, okay, so I I just did some research, and you get a luck bonus if okay. you equipped all, the Alucard shield, mail, and sword. So there you but go. Is but yeah, the, this the is, stats aren't very good. No, it's like it's a miserable weapon. Oh. It's, <laughs> it's terrible. But you, do, I mean, you do get the Alucard sword and mail and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean that's cool at least. Um, yeah, let's. Uh, Let's talk about some of the areas in this game, and there's almost too many to, like, mm-hmm. really, like, do a deep dive on each one. Because there's, like, in a, in a typical Metroid game, there's probably, like, five or six or maybe a little bit more areas. In, in Castlevania Symphony of the Night, there's, like, 
I don't know, at least a dozen, maybe like closer to 20 areas. And like, okay. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, I feel like they're all like, they're all really awesome in, in their own way. And this kind of bleeds into what I wanted to talk about next as well. So maybe we'll just talk about them together, but like, I feel like the music really, yes. really helps the areas in this game because it's like, um, uh, it really gives a sense of, of like individual to each area. Cause like the music is so varied. Like some of them you have like this classic death metal rock track. Yep. Other ones you've got <laughs> like this, this synthy vibe to it. It's kind of like a bop. And then other ones you've got like classic piano waltz that you'd expect to hear in like the 14th century ball or something like that. You're like, so the right. Music, yeah. The music is so all over the place and really helps the area stand out that it's almost impossible to talk about them not together, I feel like. You're, yeah, 100%. And I think it ties really well into just the style, like we mentioned too. Um, here's another tidbit composed by Michiru Yamane. Aha. There you um, go. Who drew inspiration from those concept drawings and stuff and i think that with the art style creates such a distinct vibe for the whole game and for the specific areas and i i think the what you said about the varied areas and varied styles you hit the nail on the head there's like you know like the thrash metal death metal vibe uh but then there's like yeah there's like then the more like oh type thing <laughs> But then there's some areas you get into and it's straight up like a jazz fusion song. And it's like, it's like grooving. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'd go see like, like a jam session at like a local bar or something. And it, and they're, it, they all hit so hard and they all fit it's their unbelievable. areas so well. Yeah. At like the, the amount, the, the versatility in this music is like off the charts. I was listening to the soundtrack at work the other day and I was just like... <laughs> I was just sitting there like in awe. I actually stopped working. I was just like, I was just watching the, like the areas kind of play out. And I was like, wow, this is like actually unbelievable. Like how all this the, music is in the same game. The vibes are unmatched, I think. And it's, it's also worth mentioning the end credits theme. I'm like the wind is like this total ballad. Oh man. So sick. <laughs> it is, it is literally like a, the ballad that, that you'd expect to see at like the end of Titanic. It's it's kind of awesome. That caps the game um, perfectly. When you load it up, it's got that like coral <laughs> stuff stuff and it's like, whoa. But yeah, then you'll just be in like sometimes you're in like I'm in this like crystal cave and it's like boom 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 like on the bass, you know, and the drums are just like oh. jazzing it up all groovy and you're like, damn, it's like funky down here. What's going on? That, so that's one of my favorite areas in this game, actually. I, I briefly mentioned it earlier, but, like, the underground caverns, I just, like, it has such a groovy track to it, and it's, like, it's got those cool waterfalls going, and there's, like, <laughs> some, like, that feeling of, like, being submerged and just, like, in the in the depths. I love the underground cavern. I also love, I forget the actual name of it, but, like, the library. Oh, I just, yeah, like, yeah. I, I love that area and like all the tables that come to life and attack you and like flying books and stuff like that. And you usually get the little ectoplasms that are flying around there. And like just the, like the classic, like, like medieval music that's playing and like, it's a throwback. <laughs> it, it's almost like it's trying to be lame. The music it's like, it's so awesome. I'd love it. And of course, uh, I feel like the, uh, the clock tower is worth mentioning as well, clock which is like, cool. 
I feel like that's kind of like, um, to make a Metroid analogy for all you guys out there, the Clock Tower is like the lower Norfair of Castlevania, where, like, it's this intense, like, very, very lethal area that has, like, and it has, like, a million spikes everywhere. It has enemies constantly flying at you that can turn you into stone. Medusa heads suck. <laughs> oh, my God. They're the worst. That's why you gotta have the quick sword, man. Yeah. And, and even an overhead sword is pretty good for those. But, yeah, I feel like the clock tower is... And not just yeah. in this game, too, but, like, in most Castlevania games is, like, a pretty standard area. There's always area, the but clock like, tower, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that's just cool is, like, they're, they do like sell you on like this is that same castle from the first one with new stuff but like especially because i one of my favorite areas is just the beginning area and you have like the zombies coming up who look you know like a new exactly like the old ones and that's that like the song that's playing there is just so classic like i couldn't describe the genre as anything other than like video game rock you know where it's like the drums are pounding, and then the keys are just like, and I'm like, yeah, you're just going, it makes me remember just going from left to right, whipping all these zombies, and then all the way up until that staircase that leads up to Richter looks just like the original game. So, like, that, they, they have it all, like, they, and, like, with all the enemies coming back and everything, it's like, this feels like a culmination of the entire series up until that point, but also all these new things that are totally unexpected and totally yeah. amazing. And they do that in all departments of this game, even with like the way they produce the music is like, you know, it couldn't be done on anything up until this point on anything other than the PlayStation, you know, it's, it's absolutely wild. Like I'm, I'm pulling up the areas and I almost feel like I'm doing them a disservice because like <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about like any of them in particular in it's, depth. You could do a whole, you know, series on one area. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like we have we have a segment like that on the Omega Metroid podcast called Mapping Metroid where it's basically like you do dive into an individual area and like there's like like I said there's like 20 areas in Symphony of the Night that could fill out an individual Mapping Metroid episode like I'm looking at places like I mean that the view at the top of like Olrox's quarters is just like <laughs> yeah. absolutely unreal. Like the garden is crazy. Like there are so many areas in this game that it, it like I said I feel like I'm doing them a disservice by not talking in depth about all of them. But like and then and then you add in the fact that like there are these areas and then you flip them upside down. It's even more impressive actually. It's true. I the, that name you said is so funny. Like I. That's what I love too about the game is like such a video game thing in, in a great way where it's like, okay, I'm in like the clock tower. I'm in like the library. Now I'm in Orlox's quarters. Like, I don't know what that uh, yeah. is, but that I'm sounds going to intense. the marble gallery now. Yeah. Uh, they, I love these names, man. The marble gallery, Deathwing's lair, the cursed prison. <laughs> like, like I said, the, the Coliseum. And like you said, like a lot of these are like the same areas in all the different Castlevania games. So like, you instinctively know when you're just like, oh my god, I'm in the Coliseum. I shouldn't be here yet. Like, this is where all the powerful enemies are. <laughs> because you've played other Castlevania oh. games and stuff like well, that. Especially awesome. when you hit the clock tower. Because those areas are yeah. such a pain in the ass in the old ones. And when you're like, ah, oh, shoot, I'm in the clock tower again. <laughs> yeah, I need something that is going to prevent me from getting turned into stone or else I'm in trouble. Freaking gears everywhere. <laughs> 
I love I love the gears. The clock tower is such a wicked stage. We should just break the rules one day and do mapping Metroid on the clock tower. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome. But uh, yeah, the 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 areas in this game are so awesome, and maybe they're not like as big and as in depth as some of the Super Metroid areas. But I feel like mm-hmm. there's like there's such an identity to each one that it's just it's so impressive. I feel like. Um, but yeah, maybe to to put a bow because we kind of talked about the music as well. So maybe we'll just put a bow on that. Um, I think that like I I tried to again. I feel bad because I didn't. I didn't jot down like a lot of favorites, but I was listening to the soundtrack and I was like, man, this, this like heavenly doorway theme, for example, is awesome. Or like anytime I hear like any kind of remix of vampire killer is just like awesome. Like that's like such a, a great mm-hmm. tune in the series. And I really just to, just to, you know, put a bow on it. I, I feel like it can't be overstated how important that music is to like making these areas feel so yeah. distinct and unique. Yeah, just really, the music, like everything else, just feels like so many people on the top of their game. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, so good. Okay, you mentioned it earlier, and I, I feel like I'm going to bring this up, because I, I think that this is a fair critique. But this voice acting is bad. It's, pre- <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> well, so I played, like, they redid it, I think, and I played it on PS4, and I think it had the new stuff, but... um. I still like, I think I even prefer the crappy old one. I don't know. There's something, like I said, the story is very slight, you know, and and I think it gets everything across it needs to. But I think there's something, just like we talked about, like there's an area called like Orlox's quarters and like there's (laughs) boots that make you a little bit taller. There's something that I find endearing about like. Uh, when you like, for example, when you fight that like harpy or whatever that makes you think of your vision of your mom after you defeat it, he's like, "You will die in the shadow realm," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> or like the nightmare <laughs> realm or something. I'm like, "What is that?" Okay, <laughs> like sounds good. Like I, I don't know. I find it charming personally uh, that they're able to tell such an affecting story with this very over the top. Like, it can only be in a video game, you know what I mean? And I love it. Um, Alright, I want since you brought it up, I want to talk about some of the bosses and some of the enemies here. Again, there's, like, a ton of bosses in this game. Like, way more oh, than your average God, Metroid yeah. game. Um, and I think that most of them are pretty good, but, like, I, lo- I feel I like once you, once you kind of hit, like, let's call it the last, I don't know, maybe six or seven bosses, those are, like, unreal like those bosses are like some of the best in the series i remember the first time that i saw legion i was just like holy crap like this is like this ginormous like ball made up of bodies and stuff Mm, like that and actually i remember when they did it on the castlevania anime i was like equally as blown away because it was Mm -hmm. so cool to see that like in a show but like seeing Legion, I was just like, "Holy crap!" Like that—it's truly that is like absolutely unbelievable, horrifying too. Like, yeah, like, well, yeah. That's one thing that's cool is like it has. I think it literally has all the old bosses from like every single Castlevania game before it. Because I remember like getting trophies for like beating them from certain games. But like, so it's like okay, like I fought a Frankenstein, but then you get to this huge massive bodies there's something so like there's like disturbing ass bosses you fight in this game (laughs) and that's the most standout one to me 
it's it's certainly one that that stuck with me. I think you know we were just talking about him, but like Orlocks, I always remembered because he he's this like mm-hmm. he doesn't really look like much. He's like this small little dude, but then he turns into like this big green like gremlin or whatever he is. I thought that he was really cool, um, and I thought that, so. This is my first Castlevania game, and to me, when you fight death, that's that's the equivalent of like fighting Ridley in a Metroid game. Because there is that build-up, there is that animosity. You go through the clock tower, typically, to fight death, and you get to that, like, big confrontation. And it's a hard fight almost every time. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I, this is the first time I ever fought death, and I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is such a wicked boss fight. And I still, like, I get amped up going to that clock tower and seeing that boss door and, like, going to fight death. There's certain, yeah, rooms you hit, too, and it just has such a, like... Uh, tense feeling like oh man this is a boss room and then oh yeah i like like, you know when you like you know when you like you're adventuring and you're like you can tell like there's a boss room coming up you can just like smell it in the air Mm -hmm. that that is like that's good stuff i love the one it's like the wall does some weird stuff and then you fight like you know dark alucard basically that's such a sick oh yeah actually and then when you fight um trevor and sypha and grant too that's like really especially cool. trevor and sypha that was cool that's what i mean it's like they they got everything in there from all the games it feels like such a even though it is like paving a new way forward it's like such a celebration of the series yeah uh, and like i feel like the way like this game just with the bosses in particular just builds up mm-hmm. to like such a crescendo at the end or like you're fighting like all the best biggest bosses and like and there's you know, you got the Legion ones too. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, so the pacing is so like, again, really good. And the, yeah, it's, uh, the bot like, again, I kind of feel bad that we're not doing like a deep dive into each boss, but it's impossible. Like, there's so like many. The areas, yeah. yeah. It does like, yeah, uh, such a crescendo, even at the end where you fight Dracula and then like, it has that thing where like, it's like in squares, the, the pixel background like 3d like breaks away into this crazy like video visual background that's such a like nightmare and it's so it's so crazy and cosmic you know i mean that's something that i really like that this gets into is like there's there's such an otherworldly feeling about it that's like kind of horrifying um and that's not even to talk about just like the the average enemies in this game which are also like off the charts like there's so there's so many Mm -hmm. and they're like like you said they're all kind of like inspired by like folklore or legends or like something right like i feel like most of the enemies have like some kind of basis in you know somewhere they weren't just created for castlevania yeah yeah like they really i was like looking into because some of them i just didn't even know and it's like I look into it and it's like, oh, it's this thing I didn't even know about. Like, they really did a lot of homework, I guess, with these. It's uh, it's it's really unbelievable, mm-hmm. like the amount of again, like versatility and, and the amount of masters that this game serves. It's 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 unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I mean, twenty five years of Symphony of the Night. It doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but I guess, like, maybe it doesn't feel like that because you can still pick up and play this game, much like you can Super Metroid. And it's, like, like I said at the top of the show, like, fundamentally, I feel like it's, like, still a pretty perfect video game. 
yeah, it it ropes in all these elements. It pushes things forward in a way that's is, and it's still timeless. It just does it all, and it's yeah. To me, speaking as someone like I said who doesn't come with a ton of nostalgia for this game, I think it it's probably in one my like top five games <laughs> of all time already. You know, I love it. Uh, yeah, totally. So you know, if you are if you are a Metroid fan that's listened to this podcast for the last two years. And you've never really ventured into the Vania side of Metroidvania. I like I cannot put over Symphony of the Night uh, enough. It's it's such a, a great, fantastic game. Like really, the equal to Super Metroid in a lot of different ways. Yeah, um, and and as important as that game as you know the to the development of the Metroidvania genre. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a thing where I don't know if this is the case, but I don't think it's a thing where people argue over which one's better right like that shouldn't be shouldn't I, you know, be the I case i never really and, see that okay yeah yeah it, it it's clearly yeah you should check it out there's clearly a thirst for this because people are making all these types of games people you know even, even so much so that you know they want koji garashi or whatever to like keep making this game over and over uh there's just like yeah, it I I can totally see why there's such a thirst for this game because it it just leaves you wanting more, which is incredible. Which is incredible because like like we said, you play the game, then you beat it, and then you flip the castle and you beat it again, and then you play as Richter, and yeah. you beat it again, and you play as Maria and you beat it again. Even just it's okay, crazy. Like the first time through is so massive and everything, but I still think it's only like a 10, 12 hour game, you know. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what and, it's and so that's good. the thing too. It doesn't overstay its welcome either. Yeah, you never feel like, like even though it does the thing of we are just reusing the whole map, and you're gonna play through it again. It to me, it does not ever feel like padded. You know what I mean? I at least I think. Yeah. So. No, I I think that's fair. Um, so yeah, if you haven't played Castlevania Symphony of the Night ever, go and play it. If you haven't played it in a long time, go and play it. Um, this game is one of the greatest of all time, and uh, I think I think that it's probably safe to say that without this game, and all, obviously without Super Metroid, that genre of video game that we love so much just, like, doesn't exist. So, you know, not only is this a game worthy of respect uh, that way, but it's still, like, an absolute, like, it holds up. It absolutely holds up to play, and uh, you won't be disappointed, so... Yeah, there it is. Twenty five years of Symphony of the Night. Wow. Wow. Well, I I've only time, been man. uh, I've only been hanging out for a few of them, for two of them, I guess. But you know, it's amazing. <laughs> I remember there is just an absolute Castlevania golden period from about from about the time that this game launched until let's say two thousand seven, where like there was Castlevania Symphony of the Night. There's that Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Dissonance, Aria of Sorrow, Dawn of Sorrow, Portrait of Ruin, Order of Ecclesia. You had, like, the PlayStation 2 well, games, which are also pretty awesome. I think that shows, too, like, how it, it kind of stinks a little bit. Like, it they were kind of relegated a little bit to GBA and DS because uh, they, like, on Nintendo 64, they had to do the thing it's probably like demanded that it's like, no, you got to make a 3d game. So you get like Castlevania 64, which I don't really even know the quality of, but 
I guess I would be curious to check it out. But it feels like that's not that that's just not the right thing for the series. But I don't know. That's just a feeling I have. I wish that they would go back to this man and like stop with that Lords of Darkness garbage that they've been pumping out for the last couple of years. But I, I don't I don't know what the future of uh, Castlevania is because I. I feel like Konami doesn't really make video games anymore, Hmm. so I'm not sure. Do you think it's possible because it's like, okay, because we had, there was clear, there's clearly a market or like a thirst for it because they, they had Igarashi was able to make the Bloodstained game. And also like on, like, there's just so many of these indie games and then Metroid Dread also proved that like people want this classic experience. So do you think Mm -hmm. that could inspire them to make another just like classic Castlevania Castlevania Metroidvania game. I I mean, I don't know. I I really don't know what's going on with Konami because there's a bunch of things that I feel like seem like some pretty obvious slam dunks that they could do, but they haven't done. Like, I I think that you could remake the first Metal Gear and like Metal (laughs) Gear 2, not solid, but like the NES games. I feel like that would be like a a nice baby step to kind of get people back happy with them after the kojima debacle so I, I feel like that's... everyone's wanted a new like uh what's that horror game called um silent hill silent hill yes yeah. thank you i feel like everyone's wanted a new one of those for like forever and i don't know why they're not <laughs> well uh, that's doing it i guess that is the the sort of the answer to it though is like that these people who are responsible for it like the minds behind it they don't have doesn't mean it's not possible mm-hmm. to make something good, but like, will it feel? Will it feel right? We don't know. Um, and a, and an interesting factoid is Mercury Steam, who of course developed Metro Dread and Samus Returns, also worked on Castlevania uh, Mirror Mirror of Fate, I believe it's called. So okay, yeah, right on. Some yeah. serendipity right there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, twenty five years of Symphony of the Night. You owe it to yourself to play this game if you have not played it in a while or ever. Uh, it is available. Actually, the only place that's not available to, is on the Switch, which is kind of, kind of lame. Because I would love to play yeah. this game on the Switch. It, it was like it feels like it's just always been PlayStation exclusive. Like I don't know. Yeah. How that's always. I feel like thing. it's, it's it's got to be only a matter of time before it comes to the Switch. Like the Advance Collection is there, so hopefully this one isn't too far behind. True. It. Yeah. If you know what, if if you have a PS4, get the collection with Rondo of Blood because that rocks. Yeah. If you don't. Um, if you just have a Switch, let's say, because it's you know a lot of Metroid, fan, a lot of Nintendo fans are probably based on Switch. Get those collections on GBA and play uh, Aria and pro- first, and probably Harmony of Dissonance. Like, it'll at least get you in. It'll get you primed because those games are trying to capture that same magic, and I think they succeed in a lot of ways. I agree. I agree. Gooey fame. Thank you for coming on the Omega Metroid podcast today. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. It was a blast. And uh, yeah, check us out over on uh, Virtual Theater, the podcast, all about video game movies and the stories that shape them. There's a lot of good stuff over there. Uh, And like we mentioned too, there's there's Zelda series and there's Captain N series available on our Patreon. Um, If you are interested, check out the Omega Metroid Patreon because the first episode of ROM Hack Reviews dropped uh, two days ago now, and I reviewed and played Super Duper Metroid, which is uh, which was an experience, and uh, it reminded me 
of playing Super Metroid for the first time in a lot of ways. Some good, some bad. So, um, yeah, check that out over on Omega Metroid Patreon, and check out the website, OmegaMetroid.com, of course. Um, and last of all, while I'm shilling here, check us out over on Twitter. I am at Spateri316. Goo is at GooeyFame, and we are at Omega Metroid Pod. Uh, that is it, everybody. We are going to get out of here, and we will see you all next week. Take care.